Welcome back to another episode of the Rational Football League show, the podcast for rational fans that want rational takes. I'm your co-host, Emmett Swart. I'm here with Brendan Ford. What's up, y'all? We are representing the Brandon IU jersey today as they are playing in the Super Bowl. Got to give some love to the former Sierra College teammate. Got to put on for him yes, a little sir. bit. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you, you guys can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Don't be afraid to come interact with us. Come talk with us. I promise we're just regular people. We just love having the conversation. And you guys don't even know the kind of information you pass on to us that you know we really get from our interactions. Uh, but with that, let's go right into our news of the week. B. Uh, starting with the big one, it feels like. Nick Saban is joining ESPN as a college game day analyst. Obviously, this seems like a spectacular hire for college game day. Huge. He's going to bring a lot of knowledge. I'm kind of curious to see your thoughts on this, B. Is he an eventual replacement for Lee Corso? I mean, Lee Corso should have been gone, bro, for a couple of years. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that. I like love Lee, but like, oh, dude's what, like 888 right now, right? Is he, he really be, 88? Like, isn't he? I don't know. They might pull that number out of my, of my ass, but he's definitely up there, dude. They they need to let that man chill at home on like a beach, man. Let him let him chill. 80, 88 is probably too hot. Um, I see I see you over there go googling it. You but, you nailed it. He is eighty eight years old. <laughs> oh my god, that's they need to terrible. Let him chill. I mean, dude. I know. Saban is not that young either. What he's no. seventy. Two seventy one seventy at, at, at least, right? I'll take your guess. You just know the eighty eight pick. I'm not going to question you. You you know ages, dude. <laughs> I, I know my I know my my ages, man. Um, but like, <laughs> obviously, Saban's like the goat, you know. So it's nice having having him on that like show. But like, I hope they don't <laughs> try to force. I'm not like anyone can really force Saban to do anything. But like, dude's dude's old too, bro. <laughs> like, let yeah. him, let him chill too, man. He's been grinding his entire life coaching. Yeah. I mean, it'll be it'll be cool to have him on that like show though you know college game yeah. game day they get better this season like it was took a little bit like a dip it's kind of rising back up now but save it save it yeah. a good uh fish to uh get man for sure yeah i think it i i definitely think it's a much uh easier more laid back experience than probably coaching and recruiting you get to go just you know the one college every week you get to just go through your production meetings um, you don't have to convince people to come to your college. You're just noting your shit down and having fun up there, which is probably, you know, again, much, much more laid back than the college circuit. Um, but as for Lee Corso, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I love Lee. He's hilarious. He's the reason I started watching college game day with his, his game predictions with the helmets and the, <laughs> the yeah, pocket yeah. comments. Yeah. So I, I, that's impossible to replace. So I, I do expect Nick Saban to bring a whole lot of, new interesting aspects with the X's and the O's into being so familiar with obviously the way that the system, that the, the, the landscape is in college. Cause he just came from it. I, I can't wait to hear what, what dynamic he brings. And here's the part that kind of makes me, I can't also can't wait to see. I can't wait to see Pat McAfee is like over the top excitement about every fucking thing in the world with Nick Saban's like down to earth, super laid back, yeah. you know, Fucking Pat McAfee's gonna have people and they're just rah rahing and cheering, and then it's gonna cut to Nick Saban. And Nick Saban's just 
I'm picking Clemson because they have a great defense, and that's really yeah. hard to come by. That's actually what you know, he's going to sound like, too. Exactly what he's going to sound like. Like, pass him a chuck two, like, two, like, beers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's like, fucking all over, like, something. I'm like, big, me. big show. And the same as if he's in there, yep. That uh, defense gave up 10 points a game. It's like, dude, chill out. Yeah, fucking, That's awesome. Yeah, Pat McAfee just going, yeah! Next you got Well, you know, Clemson's got a solid defense. They're ranked 10th in the country. That's hard to beat, especially for a North Carolina team that hasn't been too great on offense. Yep. It's just going to be a – Drink those beers well, so I'm going to – He's going to just pop up. Just going to pop up his umbrella while he's giving his, his explanation for his pick. Yep. And then Lee, so, and then Lee Corso going to get that no clue where he's like at. Cause I, think, I, I think he's still like bring him out. Like, I think he's still going to yeah. do like the whole like helmet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they just, that's kind of what was the season is they just bring him out only for like that last couple of picks so we can do the helmet thing. But it, he yeah, still feels it, so there's bad times. For him, bro. I'm, I'm sure he, he still loves it, but they just bring it around the country, dude. Like, he's probably like, I know. Bro, That's, I'm, I'm trying to chill. Like, yeah, you get to a certain age, that stuff's just kind of rough. He's I mean, 88, man. I know. I know. I, I don't want to get too sad to think about working until I die. So we're going to move on. Right. Uh, Chad, <laughs> speaking of working, Chad Johnson has got a job with the Raiders. Um, they're not entirely sure what he's doing yet, but I know he's happy to be part of the organization. I just me personally as a fan, I'm really, really hoping he's going to be the Raiders' new nutrition nutritionist. That would be <laughs> hilarious. The McDonald's only diet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me tell you about the five food groups. You got fries. You got burgers. You got McChickens. You got Diet Coke and McFlurries. If you go. thought, like, damn. If you thought Max Crosby looked out of shape before, oh my God, is it about to get fucking bad? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're going to have him on the four for four diet. <laughs> four for four diet. I really wonder what he's going to end up doing there. He said it is yeah, like, um, he has that podcast with Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I think I think it's where where he first said it. He's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm what I'm doing yet, but I'm just I'm just happy to be there. I'm like, okay. My <laughs> my weird. assumption is he's probably going to be like a assistant wide receivers coach or something like that. I mean, he, yeah. he is a great resource to be able to pull knowledge from about route running, set up your routes, footwork, different types of releases. Cause he, I mean, he's one of the best in NFL history at that kind of stuff. He made a living off of his sweet feet. So, right. you know, being able to pass along that knowledge to, to younger guys, new guys into the game is going to be, you know, a phenomenal experience for him. Uh, but that would probably be my, my expectation is he's going to do something with the wide receivers. So, right. Uh, moving right along on this, Jordan Schultz. A, who who does he work for? He's a he's an analyst. He's an insider. He's fantastic. Um, he, he's usually on top of his it, shit. No, I no, I don't. It's not like Fanduel TV, is it? No, that's. I don't, uh, I don't think so. Well, we'll get you that news. Um, he's reported that the Giants still believe in Daniel Jones, and Jones has momentum to be the starting quarterback in twenty twenty four. So while B is looking that up that information, I'm just going to inform you guys of why that's a terrible fucking decision and why we have, I think, a video <laughs> or two about why that's such a terrible fucking decision. Oh, do you have – Yeah, you have, you have, yeah. so he is with the Bleacher Re- Report. He's an NFL oh, insider. okay. Very yeah. respect, respectable uh, newspaper site. And they don't really print anymore, but, you know, website. Yeah, um, yeah so he's a great insider for, for, for Bleacher Report. 
But yeah, Daniel Jones still being the starting quarterback in 2024 is terrible. I mean, he had one good season. He came back. He looked like ass before he tore his ACL. I get you've invested the money in him, but it's time, dude. If you're going to make a change, this is the draft to do it. Take a quarterback. Let him, you know, start the first 10 weeks to see because I think he's uh, Daniel Jones is still coming off the ACL there. He's going to be out for at least the first six weeks, probably starting the year off on the, the pup list. If you're going to take a guy to see what you got else or what else is out there, this is the time to do it. And I think they also included in that report that they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback for competition, which is usually code for fucking nothing. They're just bringing in a backup and just making it look good, dressing it up as it's in a competition. See, he he beat out the competition. He's fantastic. Yeah. I can't think off the top of my head anytime a team has done that and they actually the guy they brought in actually started over the incumbent. So yeah. I don't know. Can you and think of any situation like that? I I don't. I mean, unless they bring in someone like Joe Flacco as like the veteran guy or something, he he can probably still play a little bit. But I mean, they're pretty much saying, yeah, we overpaid Daniel Jones and we tied up money, like a lot of money to him, and we don't want to look like more fools, so we're gonna play him. <laughs> that's that's kind of what they're what they're saying. But yeah. we this is a little bit of like a teaser. We're gonna talk about why you probably shouldn't do that with a quarterback. Um, because it might not be the answer for you. Um, but yeah, this this really just looks like yeah, we gave him forty million dollars a year, so he's gonna fucking play. <laughs> yeah, which uh, yeah, I mean, yes, as we'll discuss later, is a terrible fucking idea when you know it's not the guy cut bait. But uh, he does have an out after this year, so mm-hmm. yes, we'll, we'll leave that for the future segment. But yeah, that's that's a terrible idea. Uh, moving right along to terrible ideas. Rex Ryan interviewed for the Cowboys DC job. Apparently they wanted to bring him out of the ESPN um, studio room to be their defensive coordinator. I guess the Cowboys figured, you know what? We're losing to the Packers in a wild card round. How much more of a joke could we really become? And they went, yep. let's bring in Rex Ryan. So it's like, why? Um, yeah, why not? Fuck it. We're already a lot of stock in the league. Why not just see how many chuckles we can actually get by bringing in a fucking clown? <laughs> I'm kidding. Not really. I'm not kidding at all. He's terrible. <laughs> I think you're spot on with that. I don't think that would be good at all. Yeah. That, <laughs> that would not be smart. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking Rex Ryan. I'm pretty sure he knows his stuff. I am. Um, he doesn't. And I think actually Mike Zimmer was – wasn't he hired for Cowboys actually? Yesterday. Uh, yeah, actually. I think they did mention earlier in the day yeah. today actually that they were looking at bringing in Mike Zimmer, which is a fantastic hire. He's a guy that had a lot of success. In Minnesota as their head coach, the defense is usually ranked, I believe, in the top half of the league in his entire tenure there. I think he's also the most winningest coach in Vikings franchise history. So that does seem like a fantastic hire to actually bring in instead of bringing a guy that got kicked out of New York and laughed out of Buffalo and now has to spend his career in an ESPN studio. So Yeah. We kind of got to pat ourselves in the back for that one a little bit because during our Washington video – we actually did bring up the idea of our re rebuilding mm-hmm. the uh, team that like Mike Zimmer could have been a good D- DC option for for them. Of course, we yeah. have a team wrong, but hey, I mean at least at least we kind of threw his name out there. It, <laughs> it's in the weren't really hey, thinking still, about him, but hey, it's still in the NFC go. East. It's still in the NFC yeah, East. So yeah, it's, close. Know, it's close. It's close. It's close. Uh, moving on to a couple of <laughs> little bit of Super Bowl news. Chiefs All-Pro guard Joe Thune, or Tooney is not expected to play in the Super Bowl with a torn pick. Backup Nick, I'm not even going to attempt that last name, is expected to play. He had a solid game against the Ravens. Kept Joe, mm-hmm. um, sorry, kept Patrick Mahomes clean for the most part. 
Um, so I'm not sure. I, I, I feel like Kansas City has to feel pretty confident in Nick, um, even without Joe. Um, they I'm have. Sure they feel good. Yeah. The Chiefs did. They activated Jarek McKinnon and Sky Moore. Yeah, they came off the, the IR. Okay. I know that they said that they were expecting. They were. They believed that they could play. I wasn't sure if they had actually officially activated them off of IR, but good to know that they did. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, And then a couple additional little points here. We won't go too much into this because this will turn into a three-hour podcast, which no one wants. Um, Some awards were given out yesterday, NFL honors. Um, The most notable ones being Lamar Jackson took home MVP. He received 49 of the 50 votes for MVP, which is absolutely fucking ludicrous. (laughs) Um, CJ Stroud won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Will Anderson won Defensive Rookie of the Year. So it's fantastic. I think it's the second year in a row that the same team has housed both the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, Comeback Player of the Year was Joe Flacco. Again, another absolute fucking joke and completely just disrespectful to the award award in its entirety. Um, And then who else was there? Oh, Chris McCaffrey won Offensive Player of the Year. And then Miles Garrett won Defensive Player of the Year, which TJ Watt was not enthused about. He actually protested the event and didn't show up played hooky in his own words. And actually he kind of leaked the results a couple yeah, hours did. before the uh, award show even started. Yeah. So. He was uh, petty with it. And I think Kevin Stefanski won. Yes. Coach of the year. I'm not sure you said that. Yeah. Yep. Stefanski won coach of the year and Jim Schwartz won assistant coach of the year, which I mean, just a quick, quick, just thought on this. So coach of the year, I can get Stefanski. You lost your starting quarterback. You lost your backup quarterback. Still pulled out, you know, the playoffs. That's that's impressive. All respect to Dan Campbell and everything he did at Detroit. He is fantastic. And if they'd awarded it to him, I would not be upset at all. Or to D'Amico Ryans, he did a fantastic job as a, in his first year in Houston. Um, assistant coach of the year, Jim Schwartz. Again, top defense in the league. I, hard to argue against that. Or, you know, Mike, McDaniel, or Mike McDonald, if they'd given it to him, the Baltimore Ravens, D.C., who is now Seattle's head coach. Either option would have been... Fantastic, I believe. Or even Bobby Slovak with the work he did with C.J. Stroud in that offense. All would have been great choices. So, But Jim Schwartz, very much deserving. Don't disagree with that. Lamar Jackson, MVP, I guess, I guess, sure. I mean, fuck it, why not? Quarterback of the number one seed in the AFC, whatever. I don't think he does overall deserved it. I mean, numbers weren't fantastic. Um, I can't think of a single MVP moment he had. Um now, I'm not saying – I'm not going to sit here and argue, argue, well, Brock Purdy should have won it. It didn't need to be Brock Purdy. It could have been Dak Prescott. I would have been okay if they gave it to Patrick Mahomes with what he had to overcome with the drops there. Um, I would have been okay with it going to Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey, someone else. But even if they're going to give it to Lamar Jackson, which I guess I get, okay, whatever, fine. He's a elite quarterback and a specimen at the position, sure. The fact that people were getting upset about it not being unanimous – all due respect, all due respect, and I know this is typically a family show. So, like JT O'Sullivan says, earmuffs here, right? Earmuffs this part. Give me the warning, right? So for those that think he should have been unanimous, suck my fucking dick, suck my <laughs> dick, dude. He, in no fucking way, should this man have been a unanimous MVP. Suck my dick until it's blue. Fuck off. There's absolutely no reason. If yeah, anything, this range should have been fucking close. Thing? I don't Why fucking that know. Like <laughs> and then Stephen A. fucking Smith went on and said, whoever put the one vote for Josh Allen should feel ashamed of themselves. No, you should feel ashamed of your fucking self for thinking that 
Lamar should have gotten 49 of the 50 votes. Fuck yeah. off. I really At no point. Vote to be more like spread out, honestly. Like, I didn't yes. think like, he was the clear cut choice, but no. you know, you know, it's the we're switching every week. It's, it's going to just like you already said, the quarterback for the, the, the best team. As, as all, Absolutely. As Absolutely. And again, I'm not a, I'm not upset necessarily that Lamar Jackson went. Do I think he should have gotten it? No, but I get it. He's the quarterback at the number one seed in the AFC. You know, I get it. Sure, absolutely. But at least it should have been close. It should have been, you know, Dak, you know, Lamar had 26 votes. Dak had 22 votes. Christian and Tyreek had four votes each, and then Purdy had two. Whatever. Whatever right. spread Josh Allen throw him in there somewhere. However, it could have been evenly distributed, so Lamar still won it. Okay, sure, I get it. That's fine, whatever. But for those that are fake angry, the fact that he wasn't a unanimous MVP, I repeat my previous statement. Suck my dick, lick my balls, and smell my tail. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, y'all got to do something special to him because he – come on. Come on. Come Fuck on. off. Honestly, uh, and, I, just, I, just don't, I just don't get it, bro. But yeah, I know, I know, and then I know the, we, can, we can move on, but yeah. Well, the other one I will include that, that irked me a little bit was the Comeback Player of the Year award. The dude himself, Joe Flacco, came on and said, I don't deserve this award. I'm not coming back from anything. All I did was get you know hired off the couch and come play well. Like, that's it. That's not a comeback. DeMar Hamlin should have won that award. Yeah. Again, the dude literally died, died on the fucking field, came back, wasn't sure if he was ever going to play again, made, you know, recovered, got the okay from the doctor, showed up, and was able to be active for, for some games. Did he blow you away with the stats? No. He didn't need to. The dude died on the fucking field. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, he literally died. I, like, he for real died. Like, when the fuck did this become, you know, the most improved player award? I I, I don't get it. So, yeah. so if Sam Darnold has a decent year somewhere, he should deserve comeback player of the year? It's just, I mean, that's terrible. I mean, and, and here's another guy that I saw – a couple of people comment and absolutely deservedly probably should have gotten some credit as well. Um, John Michi the third, the receiver for the Texans. Oh yeah, yeah. Had yeah, Hodgkin's yep. lymphoma, right? Or it yeah. was it was a Hodgkin's lymphoma. Had cancer. Yeah, okay, yeah, cancer. That yeah, cost yeah. him his rookie year. Came back yeah. and played. Yeah. You don't think he deserved the award? I, yeah. I can understand if I can understand the argument. Okay, Brock Purdy shouldn't get it because. You know, he didn't technically miss any games. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, that's a valid argument. I can see your point. Absolutely, we could take him out of the list. But you had a guy that overcame cancer and came back, and a dude that died on the field that came back, and you gave it to the 38-year-old that got hired off his couch and came in and played well to lose in the yeah. first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that doesn't – yeah, now, now that you, you lay it out like that, that doesn't make much, much sense to me. I mean – And to add insult to injury, no – Damar Hamlin got the most first place votes. Joe Flacco only won because everyone else voted him second, which they have a new tally system. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they have the three choice system. So you get like, for example, here, 10 points for coming in for, for a first place vote, five points for a second place vote, and then one point for a third right. place. That's not the actual numbers. I don't remember what the actual numbers are off the top of my head, but that's essentially the idea. It's a, sort of a like ranked choice. System. Mm -hmm. Right. And while Demar Hamlin got 21 first place votes to, I believe, Joe Flacco's 14, Joe Flacco overwhelmingly won the second place, which technically put him in total points for first, which got him the award. That's so, awful. 
That's awful, that is a- man. I feel yeah. I feel bad for for Demar. I mean, I'm sure like he'll never come out and say in public like, yeah, like I feel bad for not winning this thing, but like, yeah, he died. Just, <laughs> he died. Yeah, and so was so played. Yeah, just just a note for you know the the voters of the awards for next year. If they have to make the entire NFL wear a fucking shirt for a guy in support of him, maybe he deserves comeback player of the year. Just a thought. <laughs> Or when they like you know, just call when they cancel a game or like call like a game like halfway through for him. Yeah, like, if his yeah. if his injury is so bad they have to cancel a game between two teams competing for the number one seed in the playoffs, maybe he deserves comeback player of the year. <laughs> just maybe. Right, right. Just a thought. Just maybe. Take into consideration. Just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> but just, just leave I don't know if I'm do want to apologize for my comments already about sucking my dick, licking my balls and smelling <laughs> my taint. I it may be a little far, but <laughs> my 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 intention sense. was to make B laugh. So <laughs> and it, it worked. It worked. Exactly. And that's that's all I needed from that segment. But all right, with that, I won't waste any more of anyone's time. We'll move on to our player spotlight. Um this week we did cover or you covered Andre Cisco. Um I won't go too much more. I don't want to take your spotlight. So tell us tell us about Andrews Andre Cisco. Yeah, Andre Cisco, he's a safety for Jacksonville. Um, and actually, I watched him a little bit when he played at uh, Syracuse. Um, I think he he had a little bit of like an injury issue. I think he tore his ACL, I want to say his junior season. Um, ended up being a, a third-round pick. Uh, but the dude was like a steal, I, I, I thought. Um, but to give you a quick – I mean, I kind of gave you already some like points on him, but – He's sitting at uh, six feet and he's doing a 10, 10, 10 pounds. Again, he plays free safety for uh, Jacksonville. And right, right now, I'm going to go through his, his stats. I watched some of his film, you know, and, and again, we need some more highlights of, of, of these players, man. If you are a Jacksonville fan out there, we need more stuff, man. It was like jumping up for like gold out there and not fighting gold, dude. It was just straight dirt. And I, just, I found a couple of videos here and there, but it was not, it was not good, man. Um, but okay. But any, anyway, so his 2023 stats, again, these, these aren't eye popping numbers. He did take a little bit of a, of a dip this year. Um, but when you watch the film, he still was making a whole ton of plays. I'll get more into his film breakdown here in a second. But in 2023, he played a total of 848 snaps. Um, he had 56 total tackles, four picks, one forced fumble. He had a um, he he allowed a passing rate of, of 83.9, and his overall PFF grade was number 69, nice, which ranked 34th out of 95 safeties. So. Kind of the middle ground there, you might think, okay, those aren't eye-popping numbers. But, again, you have to turn on the film because, as we always talk about, data is one thing, but you got to watch the film too. So I watched his, his, his film, and this dude is, is a playmaker when the ball is in the air. He is a ball hawk. Um, he covered a lot, lot of ground, man. So – the Jags play a lot of cover two and cover cover one. And of course he was a half field safety in cover two. And he was a high hole safety in cover one. So he was back there just like roaming, reading the quarterback's eyes. And dude, I kid you not, man. Like, especially when he was in like in, in cover two, he's damn near by like the numbers. 
and he will just read quarterback's eyes or know what, what play is coming, and he will cover at least 20 to 25 yards while the ball is in, like, the air and, you know, de- deflect the pass, or he had a nice pick against the uh, Chiefs where he really was on the other side of, like, the field and picked off a deep post that was coming back from the other side, dude. It was crazy, man. The dude can cover ground. And he has really good ball tracking skills, too, which is also rare. You see a lot of guys who can cover ground and whatnot, but they can't read the damn ball in, in the air because if they could, they could probably play on the other side of, of the ball. So the way yeah. he's able to track the ball in the air and make a lot of great plays, man. And, dude, like, now he, he did get flagged and fine for this a few, few times. But if there's any routes over the middle of, like, the field, he he lays with, like, you know, old old school hits. Now, we've we seen if guys grew, growing, yeah. growing up and come across the middle. And, like, again, he, he did get, get flagged for this, but I actually love that because he was breaking on the routes fast, especially in, like, zone. He, you can just tell he's reading the quarterback's eyes well. He knows the, the route, uh, con- concept route well, and he has that great just, just feel for it. Um. And again, like those are all, all the notes I had. It's all, all the film I had. So not a very in-depth breakdown, but I hope that gives you guys this an idea of what Andre can can do out there. Again, he is that natural ball hawk. Um, I think he's gonna be really damn damn good. Um, I think he already is good right 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 now. And you know, I'm eager to see what what happens. I actually failed and forgot to write down his like contract stuff. So um, I think he's been. In the league, though, I think this is his third season. So, mm-hmm. by c- coming up on his contract soon, I wonder if he could maybe get tagged by by the Jaguars, just ex- extended there, and, or if they if they don't, he can test the uh, market next next year, and he should land with with another team because he is damn good, man. So that that's my spotlight breakdown on Andre Cisco. He is a, a baller, bro, for sure. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. Be that's. It's very good. I understand there's limited um, video out there on him. It's just one of those things. The NFL is very protective over their um, their fan their film. So fi- sometimes finding tape on guys can be actually pretty difficult. Very hard. But yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, obviously, with a lot of what you said. I know when the 49ers played the Jaguars earlier in the year, he was one of the key guys you had to watch out for because you never know if he was going to come down and just lay the wood on one of your receivers across the middle. You always had to worry about him as a deep safety, um, taking away any you know potential play action deep shots you had or any of those deep crossers, anything that's designed to like try to really pick up those chunk twenty yard plus plays. You you always had to be concerned about where he was in the field at all times. For so sure. definitely a very underrated player. And thank you so much for bringing attention to a guy that clearly clearly deserves it and needs it. Yes, sir. With that, we're going to move on to our final. Wow, it's weird to say final game of the week. It's the uh, Super sad, Bowl. Dude. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, the four, it's the 49ers versus the Chiefs. Uh, the game is going to be in Las Vegas, obviously, because it's the Super Bowl. The 49ers are only favored by a point and a half at this point. I know initially on the opening, I think they're favored by two or two, two. and a half. So it's down, mm-hmm. down to a point and a half. Uh, the 49ers have a 59% chance of winning this game, according to ESPN Predictor, which is very good for me. My nerves feel calm already. Uh, the game will be in a dome. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in a dome, so weather won't play a role in here, but I'm pretty sure the field will. Foreigners, players, and coaches and staff have already made comments about the slipperiness of the practice field because of the rain and yada, yada, yada. So I'm sure there will be something to complain about about the field. But, B, let me get your prediction and why. So I've been picking this team all season long. Um, now it's going to be a test, of course. I mean, it should be. This is hardest, you know, last game of the year. It should be the hardest game of the year, right? It's for everything. You got to beat the champs to become the champs. I'm going with Niners. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things. It seems so easy. And you're like, you know what? Absolutely, go into this game. You're a fan of the team. It should be the, you know, you should pick that team. But it's one of those things where it's like. The, it's the Chiefs. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's, you know, an, an underrated player in this, I feel like, isn't getting enough attention because, you know, the Taylor Swift talk and the Travis Kelsey talk and the Patrick Mahomes talk and Andy Reid and whatever else. Chris Jones is a phenomenal player, a dude that definitely mm-hmm. does not get the respect he deserves. The fact that this guy hasn't won a defensive player of the year or even been in consideration for a defensive player of the year, it feels like nothing short of a, 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 an oversight by the committee. Committee. Uh, I mean, the dude's an absolute disruptor in the middle. And what's crazy is you can line him up on the edge even. So, like, the last time the 49ers played the Chiefs, I think it was in 2022, they actually lined him up against Mike McGlitchie, who just signed with you know, the past offseason with Denver for a big money contract, and just absolutely took his lunch all day. <laughs> so that's the kind of dude that's, that scares me the most. Not to mention you have a stud linebacking group for the Chiefs in Leo Chanel, former Wisconsin Badger, who I really loved coming out of college. And you have Nick Bolton, who's been there for a couple of years and made a lot of key plays last year. Mm-hmm. I would be a terrible fan if I didn't pick the 49ers. So I'm going to preface this by saying I picked the 49ers, but I don't feel great about it. You know, I, I don't know. I, the, the, the key stat I know I've seen this week that really makes me feel comfortable potentially is that the Chiefs have struggled with the outside – zone run game mm. i think they've ranked like i think it's bottom five in the league in outside zone plays and, and protecting them which is obviously a staple of shanahan's offense loves the outside stretch zone loves to really attack the edges you know the pin and pull game i i i digress um the question i have is is, is shanahan going to do that because right. against green bay their weakness was uh, I'm sorry, their strength was the run game. And what did he do? He ran the ball a bunch. Then we got to Denver or to Detroit, and the, the weakness of Detroit's defense was to throw the ball. Like they were great in the run, they were top three in the run all season. You had to take advantage of their, their weak corner two and their safeties. And he decided he was going to throw that, or I'm sorry, he decided he was going to run the hell out of it. <laughs> I, think I'm, yeah. I think I'm mixing this up here. I think it was Packers were good against the run, uh, pass, weak against the run, tried throwing it 40 times with Brock Purdy. Detroit was good against the run, bad against the pass, and I think he he tried running it all game. And it was like so, raining a lot against the Packers too, which is exactly weird. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just another incentive to just run the freaking ball instead. Exactly. He, he, I think he had I think Purdy threw it thirty eight times. So yeah. it really comes down to what the Shanahan have to do. Does he overthink this and try to outsmart himself, or does he just take what he knows this defense is going to give him, which is that outside zone game? Get Debo on the edges, get Christian on the edges, let them attack, let them go to work, and take advantage of that and use it to set up the play-action pass. Sometimes it feels like this season with Shanahan, it's been really about narrative busting. Hopefully he doesn't get into all that. He just lets he just wins this game. I will say he I, from the 2019 Super Bowl to this Super Bowl, 
he has made strides as a as a play caller in securing a lead, running out time, not getting too cute. So I, it does make me feel good. Again, picking the 49ers, but I obviously have my, my reservations and my concerns. So, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm a not Super Bowl, even how do you not? Niners fan, and I'm and I'm nervous. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard hard game, bro. Like, there's no oh, yeah. way. Chiefs, champs, bro. Like, it's a dynasty. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And yep. just in my end, I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, I know the Niners' defense will bounce back, but obviously, the past two weeks it's been a little bit a little bit shaky. Um, offense a little bit shaky too. But I mean, they've been damn good of last two years, just like the Chiefs. You know what I'm saying? They were a quarterback away from probably playing them last year too. You know, like yeah. if Purdy didn't get hurt in the first quarter against against the Eagles or whenever he got he got hurt, you know, what I mean, it's yeah. gonna have been a a a, a, re, a rematch, a three peat rematch. I guess you guys played him back in twenty nineteen. So, no, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be great, a great game. I know you're you're full of nerves, and I oh, I, yeah. I am too. You know, what I mean, I'm almost like a, yeah. a pseudo Niners fan now too. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, I really, I really think that those boys are going to be right because they, they know it's going to be yeah. a fight, bro. It's going to be. It's gonna I think be it's just, man. I think it's just one of those things where it's like you know you you've been there a couple of times. You've been hailed as this, you know, legendary, fantastic team that's supposed to win it all, and twice they've gotten there and shit the bed. So it, it's kind of one of those things that you're like, uh, it's, it's hard to feel good going to this game because of those last two times, but. Obviously, this time is different. Brock Purdy is different than any quarterback they've had on the 49ers since Steve Young hung it up. Uh, but yeah, it's just it, it's it's tough. It's, you're right. You know, Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. It's it's tough to to ever feel good going to that kind of a game. Um, and as for the defense, they they our defense has done well when playing with the lead. Their their strength seems to be really stopping the pass. I mean, we've got. Mooney Ward, who's a great corner one. Uh, Diamondo Lenore locks up the slot very well. It's going to come down to Ambry Thomas, um, who's our corner two. I think he's in his third year now, who's had an up-and-down season. Uh, during the regular season, he looked fantastic. And then during Green Bay and Detroit, he looked like a liability. So if he comes out and looks like a liability again, I, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is going to take advantage of him, just like Joe Burrow early in the season took advantage of Isaiah Oliver, who was starting in that slot early in the year. So it really just comes down to how how do they how, what effort do they put in? I assume the effort level is going to be much better after every player has made it a point of emphasis to discuss how they got their ass chewed out after that NFC Championship game effort level on defense. Not just Chase Young, there were other guys as well. Don't want to put it all on him. So. I, I, I'm not too concerned about the effort level. It's hard to really get your ass chewed out about your effort level and then come out and put in a piss poor effort again. <clears throat> I know right. us as players kind of know that, or former players know that. Usually when you get talked on in the film room and they're pausing on every fucking play going, hey, what are you doing here? What, what, what is with this effort here? It's really hard to then the next week not go out and make it a, a point of emphasis to, to really make sure you're busting your ass on every fucking play. So yeah. we'll, we'll leave it there. Both picking 49ers in this game. Hopefully, come Monday, we're feeling really good about that and excited and elated and everything else. Bring um, it home. Not, Let's get it. Yeah. Not, it is what it is. Kansas City is a great team. So, nope, nope, nope. Bring it home. <laughs> Bring, Bring it home. home. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So, with that, we are going to move on to our segments of the week. As we kind of indicated earlier, we're going to be discussing some average quarterbacks. <clears throat> More specifically, actually, we're going to discuss. 
the perfect NFL roster build and why dumping your quarterback might actually be the solution to bring your team back to relevance. So let me just click over to my notes here real fast. Uh, so before we can really start discussing and talking about how dumping your average quarterback is really going to save your team, it's what you need to do if you want to stay relevant in this league. You can't start doing that without building through the, the, the draft and, and specifically with an emphasis on the trenches. O-line, D-line is crucial. It's how you win games, how you maintain leads, it's how you get to the Super Bowl. Uh, the two teams we're kind of really emphasizing here in this this blueprint is two teams that have been there before, the 49ers and the Eagles, both Super Bowl uh, rosters. So just for kind of context to kind of support what we're just saying about building through the trenches, the 49ers have taken an offensive lineman or defensive lineman with their first pick in every draft since 2015, outside of about 2020 where they took quarterback Trey Lance, but more on that later. Uh and they've been out here, what, in two Super Bowls since, yeah, since 2017? Yep. Uh, since Kyle Shanahan took over. And, John, and just to show it's not just the 49ers that do it, the Eagles have spent five of their last seven first-round picks on either O-line or D-line. And real quick, I know B got a point here. I know maybe a comment might suggest, well, Nolan Smith's a linebacker. He's listed as an edge coming into the draft. He mostly plays edge. You can kind of fit him in like a micro will, but it's really not his specialty. He's an edge rusher. But yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a good uh, point. And, dude, I just want to hit on that O-line, man, because they're not prep work. I was looking at when the Eagles added, you know, their their players to that starting offense um, when they made their, like, run last year. And, dude, I didn't realize. No, I knew Jay, Jason Kelsey's been there for, like, a while. He got drafted back in 2011. And he was actually with a six-round pick, not even the first, right? He they, they hit on him, right? But then they drafted mm-hmm. Lane Johnson 2013. He was the first-round pick. Dude, they've been there for damn near over 10, 10 years. Like, I, I knew yeah. they've been they've been around, but seeing it on, like, paper, I was like, damn, no wonder their own line is so damn good because they have two strong staples there, some of the best at their, like, field, like, mm-hmm. in, their, in their spot, and they nailed on them. And, again, Kelsey was a six-round pick, too. That's crazy, man. So I, I want to say that quick, quick point. We go, we'll go on to the next, next one, but that's just crazy. Well, I want to build off that. So, and that's kind of exactly the next point we're going to discuss here is you need to nail the back half of the draft. So I know the, you know, everyone always stresses and emphasizes first round picks, first round picks. We need as many first round picks as possible. Actually, it's almost more valuable to have more draft capital from picks five through seven. If you can come away every year from the draft with one starter or a couple backups from the fifth through seventh round, you're building depth that provides sustainability for your roster, right? Those are guys that can constantly fill in when your starter gets hurt or as your starter leaves for, you know, more money somewhere else, these guys can step up and play in and you're getting them on a cheap deal, uh, which kind of, adds us to the next point is you need to retain. So there's different level of talent groups, obviously. So you have an A level of talent, a B level of talent and a C level of talent. You need to retain your A level of talent. You need to replace your B level talent and you need to upgrade your C level talent. For example, sense. for the, yeah, for the example, for the Eagles and the 49ers, your it's your core guys. It's the guys that build the, the, the culture there. It's guys that are widely regarded as the best players at the positions they're the dudes that you you need to go war with every week. So your core A level players, you can lock, you need to lock up the long term contracts. They usually get like top in the of the markets or they're reset in the markets. They're guys that are like Jalen Hurts, Debo, Fred Warner, Lane Johnson, AJ Brown, those kind of guys. So, 
Yeah, and then, you know, a lot of people don't even realize this, but teams often replace their B-level guy, which is hard because these are good players. Like, these are players the fans mm-hmm. know that that guy's good. But you have to do that because, again, like, you can only spread the money around so much, right? You can't pay everyone a top a top, top dollar. Yeah. At some point, you have to be like, listen, you're not our, our top player. You're not in that top tier. We have to move on from you. So some, some examples of that is when the 49ers – Re- replaced Lake and uh, Thomason with Aaron Aaron Banks to draft him in the, the uh, second round. And then Kendrick Bourne, who was like a lightning fast guy. I, I remember watching him play. I'm not like a Niners fan like like you, but yeah, he, he's, mm-hmm. he's been around, right? Then they got yep. Juwan Jennings, right? E- Emmanuel Sanders, big, big name, right? They got Brandon Ayuk, I- right? So you kind of move on from, the, from these players. Even a guy like, you know, Javon Hargrave, which got big money last year. And like the market, mm-hmm. guess what? The Eagles replaced him with who? Jalen Carter. First yep. round right there, right? So yep. it's one of those things where you got to keep, keep your A-level a players and then your B-level players. It's hard to say bye, but you have to bring on some, some fresh talent there and keep that cycle going. Yep, and I'll even give you one more. Isaac uh, Siamalu was replaced with Cam by Cam Jurgens, who was a second round pick for Philadelphia. So he'd already been on the roster for a year. They let him walk. He ended up signing with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Jurgens, plug and play, ready to go. One of those guys that, as we kind of mentioned before, you need to get depth from the draft. And so, and the cool thing about that, and we'll talk about this in just like a second as well. When these guys leave and sign big money deals somewhere else, you get comp picks back that allow you to reload at these positions. Before we get into all that, the last part is your C-level players that you need to find upgraded for. So, for example, some of these guys for the 49ers back in, I think it was 2018, they replaced Marquise Goodwin with Emmanuel Sanders through trade. This year, the 49ers replaced Cleland Farrell with Chase Young through trade. And the Eagles replaced Nicholas Moreau, the linebacker who just wasn't getting it done, with Shaquille Griffin, who was a late-season free agency at. But moving on to the next big point of this, it's all about the comp picks, baby. You need those fucking comp picks. They are like free money. It's 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 unvaluable gold. Just to give you an example of this, the two teams since 2017 that have received the most comp picks, the Rams at 22 and the 49ers at 21. <clears throat> These are two teams that are known for their depth. It's the reason the, the Rams have been able to, you know, fuck them picks, trade them away, and bring in these big-name players back. And it's also the reason they've been able to bounce back so quickly after those guys have not retired or left in free agency. Guys like Kobe Turner and Puka Nakua are these later-round additions that have helped been helped by comp picks. So just to yeah, give you makes, some that big – sense. Yeah. Hey, e, real, real yeah. quick, for the, the common fan who – kind of knows what comp picks are, but never really heard a term before. Can you just briefly describe, you know, what is the benefit or what's the purpose of a, of a comp pick? Like how, how, how does that come up? Right. So obviously with the salary cap, you have these teams that are really good at, you know, getting their talent, bringing them in one way or another, but obviously you can't keep them because of that salary cap. So as they go on to other teams to keep those competitive, you know, those good teams still competitive, the NFL God, had to be like 20 years ago now, um, implemented a comp pick system. It's really ramped up in the past, I want to say five or six years with new additions, such as having a minority coach or minority uh, front office player sign with another team, gets you a third round comp pick. Um, having a guy leave for big name money, gets you a third round or better comp pick. So comp picks are awarded from the third to seventh round. And the simple math is if you sign someone for big money and lose someone for big money, those picks cancel out. 
So the name of the game is only signing guys you need to and letting guys go that you don't. If you do this, you can get a, a lot of comp picks back. For example, two years ago, the 49ers got seven comp picks this season. They're going to be getting awarded five comp picks. And for those that are wanting, like, well, who cares? It's a comp pick. It's a third through seventh round. You know, it's a seventh round guy. It's a fifth round guy. Who cares what that, you know, what does that matter? Just some big names that have been used from comp picks. In 2017, a comp pick was traded to draft Dre Greenlaw for the 49ers. 2021, the 49ers used a comp pick to bring in Ambry Thomas in all pro safety, Talanoa Hufunga. In 2023, this season, the 49ers used a third round comp pick to draft their kicker, Jake Moody, who's been essentially clutch this year. He, I think he's got over an 80% kick rate for the fans that are stressing out about that. And I'll give you this last one and tell me, stop me if you've heard this name before, but in 2022, with the seventh round comp pick, pick 262, the 49ers drafted Brock Purdy, a comp pick. So you see how they can really wow. be a, play a pivotal role in it, giving you more ammunition. It, this point ties into our first point, right? You need to nail those fifth through seventh round picks. How do you do that? You get more ammunition by any way possible. Comp picks are a free, free money system to get additional shots at drafting guys later in the draft that could end up being all pro players, quality starters, or your franchise quarterback, apparently. You need to get as many comp picks as you can, and you got to be willing to take chances on those guys and let them develop. So the next point, obviously, is you need to find your starters at key positions. So every team is going to be slightly different, right? Every team is going to prioritize what they need. Us as fans, we go, oh, quarterback, edge, tackle, whatever. But to some teams, their system may predicate more on needing a, a starting corner or a star corner versus a star edge or a star linebacker versus a star D tackle. So it's little things like that for the 49ers. And it, it's cool to see kind of as being a 49ers fan and following this process, it's cool to be able to see how that process has developed over the years. So initially the process was you need to prioritize bringing in wide receivers, bring in a star tight end, a left tackle, a star linebacker, running back, and eh, a star edge, um, and now it's kind of grown to where now the 49ers prioritize bringing in a number one corner, hence them signing Mooney Ward, a star D tackle, hence them signing Javon Hargrave. And for the Eagles, for example, a, a different team, you know, their emphasis has been both of their tackles, not just left. 49ers have, are you starting a fifth round pick at right tackle right now who's been below average? The Eagles have prioritized both their tackles, bringing in star wide receivers, spending a first round pick on Devontae Smith, trading for A.J. Brown tight end, centers, D-line. That's just So every team is going to be slightly different. So you need to identify what is your key, what fits your system, your structure right now, who are your A-level players, and bringing those guys in. Again, ties back to that second point. All these points kind of go into unison. Mm -hmm. So moving on to the last point, I'm sure you all have been kind of sitting here waiting like, guys, you you mentioned you got to dump your average quarterback. What the fuck? You're telling me about O-linemen and D-linemen and comp picks and everything else but a quarterback. Right. Here's where we get to the quarterbacks, right? I'm, I know you all been waiting patiently. Here's the thing. If you – how do I even start this? I'm starting right into it. If you don't have – if you find the quarterback that you want to dedicate your, your resources to, if you find your guy, right, you do whatever it takes to get that guy. A right? couple examples of this, right? The 49ers did not wait until the roster was built to bring in a quarterback, right? 2017 – they acquired Jimmy Garoppolo for a second-round pick and immediately that offseason handed him a brand-new contract that made him the highest-paid quarterback in the in the NFL at that time. Didn't wait, And that was a team that was coming off 2-14 record in 2016. 
made a trade for a quarterback before they had any pieces. I think at that point, the only guys that were still on the roster from then to here star-wise is like Eric Armstead, George Kittle, who they just drafted, who was not a star at that point, and Kyle Juszczyk. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Juice. When you, when you identify your quarterback, your guy, you get him. doesn't matter where you run the rebuild process. doesn't matter what, who you've got the position. You go with it. To emphasize this further, in 2021, the foreigners made the determination, for whatever reason, play, injury, history, whatever it is, they made the determination that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't it. So they sent three first-round picks plus some third-rounders to move up to draft Trey Lance. Right? This is a guy they're still paying t- you know high-end quarterback money to. And they said, fuck it. Trey's our guy. We want Trey. We're going to do whatever it takes to get Trey. We moved up to three and got Trey. Right? That was three years, literally just three years after handing Jimmy Garoppolo the largest quarterback contract of all time. 2022. That's wild. Right? They have the, the next season, you have former number three <laughs> overall pick, Trey Lance. You have big money Jimmy on the roster. And with the last pick in the draft, they took Brock Purdy, even though they already had Trey and Jimmy. And he, actually, just a little side note on here real quick. Uh, Kyle Shanahan mentioned during this week, during Super Bowl press coverage, they actually had a fourth-round grade on Brock Purdy. So when it got Damn. to the last pick of the draft, they're like, dude, we have to take this guy. There's no, And we're not getting him in free agency. We're, he's not going to sign with us as an undrafted free agent. We need him now. Took him with the last pick, even though they already had two guys in the court, on the roster who could be considered franchise guys on other teams. Right? That's a baller move. Yeah. And when they went to that season, and it's a funny additional note from Kyle Shanahan's media press this week, they went into the 2020 season feeling like Brock Purdy was the best out of all three guys. He, Kyle Shanahan literally told uh, Jed York, the owner of the 49ers, dude, I think Brock Purdy's our best quarterback, which I assume cannot be very pleasant to hear as an owner that you just invested all this capital money in these other two <laughs> right. guys, and the dude right. you took with the last pick is your franchise guy. Uh, and just to further emphasize that, once Brock Purdy started in week 13, they never even thought of going back. The only time they emphasized maybe something else was when Brock was injured and they weren't sure he was going to be back in time for the season. They said, unless Tom Brady comes in, you're our starter. But that was the closest they ever came to suggesting anyone else was going to be it. That's, again, with number three overall pick, Jimmy, uh, Trey Lance, still on the roster. He said, fuck it. We don't care. This is our dude. We're rolling with this dude. We love this dude. He's our guy. Traded trade to the Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. And the 49ers are not the only team that's done this. The Eagles are another team that did not hesitate to move on to a better quarterback once they knew they had one, right? Just to give you a quick little timeline recap. 2016, the Eagles trade up to the number two overall pick, right, and draft Carson Wentz. That's after they just went 7-9 and finished Chip Kelly – finished – fired Chip Kelly week 16, <laughs> Right? Said, fuck it. This is our dude. We're doing what it takes to get him. Moved up to pick two, took Carson. 2017, the next season, his second year, he finished third in MVP voting. And that's only because he tore his ACL. The dude was on a fucking tear. Like, he would look like the next up, up and coming great quarterback in the NFL. Big arm, mobile, was, was really taking over things. 2019 comes, and they give him a massive contract extension. I don't remember if he was the highest paid quarterback at the time or they just handed him a top tier quarterback. I know he was top five uh, quarterbacks paid in the NFL, right? 2020 comes. So 2019 offseason, they give him that contract. The 2020 draft, they, they, they take Jalen Hurts in the second round. They just give their quarterback a large contract and go, mm, Jalen Hurts, second round, right? It had a lot of people scratching their heads at the time, like, what the fuck are the Eagles doing, right? 2021, the next season, 
to draft, draft uh, Jalen Hurts 2020-2021, Wentz is traded to Indianapolis and Hurts is named the starter. It, That's it's, crazy, man. Once you identify your guy, you got to go for it. Another great example of this, the, the Bears, right now in the situation, we got a lot of comments about, hey, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, build around Justin Fields, you build the team up. Absolutely not. Once you find your guy, if you know Caleb Williams is the guy, you take him and never look back. You bring him in. He's your starter. Justin can go get traded to wherever else. We're rolling with Caleb's if you know he's the guy. Right. You know, that, that that's a good, like, point. And while you're going through those awesome, like, ex- examples, it made me think of the uh, Cardinals, right? You remember when they took Josh Rosen in 20, 2018? And he had yeah. that famous interview, yeah. I'll be the best quarterback in this in this, in this class. Yeah. You know, they're like, actually, we're going to give you a chance to even prove that. We're going to draft Kyler Murray first overall in 20, 2019. Yep. Because that was their dude. They found their guy. And – you know, sometimes that just that just shakes up. That's like the the business of it, right? You could say, "Oh, Rosen, or Rosen got screwed over." Sorry, dude, it's business, bro. Like you found your quarterback, you found your guy. Yep. You have to take him right now. Yep, absolutely. And just to further emphasize that decision, because you know people maybe having you know recency bias or amnesia or whatever it is, and going, "Well, yeah, of course I took Kyler Murray. Who else are we going to take?" Nick Bosa was the second pick player taken in that draft. He was a sure yep. thing. People felt he needs to go number one. Arizona would be ridiculous to not take Nick Bosa. And they passed on a future defensive player of the year to take their guy. And now, again, yep. you can maybe you know nitpick about was that the right decision. It looks like a right decision to me. They've signed him to a long-term contract. He's their franchise guy. They're going to another new coach and still rolling with him. It tells me they have a lot of confidence in him, and I don't think they regret that decision at all. And that's, again, with Nick Bosa going second. If you're willing to pass on Nick Bosa to take your guy, there's no excuse for your franchise to not take their guy when they identify this is the dude. You trade three first rounds. You trade two, three seconds. You trade whatever the hell it takes to get your guy. Everything else can be built later. That's the only point that supersedes the other three steps, right? If you find your guy, I don't care about building through the line. I don't care about... You know, everything else, you take your guy and let everything else fall into place as it needs to. You fix it on the back end, but you take your yep. guy. Yep. Uh, just a quick bonus point onto this. It's not a requirement of building a blueprint roster, but I will include this. Reclamation projects are, again, like free money. It's like the comp, the compics. If you have a position that you just your team is fantastic at. You can look at the Bears and linebackers. You can look at the 49ers and D-line. You can look at the Eagles and O-line, the Steelers and receivers. There's a certain franchise that just they have a mystical gift for just developing these fucking dudes, right? You take reclamation projects in, guys that were drafted high, guys that, you know, had some, you know, some potential. You give them one season, you let them be solid contributors, and then you let them walk in free agency to sign with another team. Gets your free fifth-round pick back. That's all it takes. Free fifth round pick you can then use to move up higher in the first round, move from second to third to get your or third to second to get your guy, whatever it is. You just if you can find those reclamation projects and they fit what you need, you get them. Dude, I was about look, to say you just hit on a you just hit on a point that I want to hit uh, for like uh, people here. Like when when we say like oh you get like a fifth round comp pick, you don't need to pick a player at that spot like you're like, oh, okay yeah uh-huh. sure you lost a, a b-level player for a fifth round comp pick isn't that kind of kind of bad no you can package those picks together to move up trade trade for a player whatever like at times you can draft a player at your comp pick spot i mean that's how brock purdy ended up with the 
Niners, but you can use that as as leverage, mm-hmm. right? If you want to make a trade either before the season, during the middle of the season, before the um, well, like you you can't any any anymore. Like you can just package that that stuff together and go get a player that you like need. So I, yeah, I kind of want to bring that, that point point home for people. People might say, "Oh, it's a six round comp pick, whatever." No, you can use that as trade value mm-hmm. and like and like leverage there. Exactly. Just and just a quick scenario, and we'll wrap it up with this, right? We did a Panthers video before, and I mentioned you know letting Frankie Lavu walk. Right? Here's how that could possibly play out. Frankie Lavu walks. He signs with another team, fifteen million dollars a year, whatever. You get a fourth round pick in compensation if you're the Panthers. Who cares? We lost our best player. You know, our, our one of our one of our better players it is what it is. Going to the next year, twenty twenty five draft. Say you're the Panthers. You're picking, you know, say ninth, right? You package your first overall pick plus that fourth overall pick, that, you know, the fourth pick you just got from the comp plus a future third. You move up to number two overall and you draft Travis Hunter. Hmm. That's a way it kind of comes full circle. Now you have a potential, you know, great prospect as a receiver and a corner, a two way guy that you let Frankie Lavoie walk so you could draft him. That's how it kind of all ties together in that kind of way. But with that, we'll drop it there. Let us know in the comment section what you guys think about our blueprint. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? We will always love to hear from you guys. Why you don't hit the like, subscribe button. It helps us a lot. And we put a lot of effort into all these videos, and we really love talking with you guys. Uh, but if this is where we're losing it, until next time, it has been Emmett. It's been B. Thank you so much, guys. All right, B, from here, we're going to move on to our last segment of the podcast, and we are making fantastic time. Look at us. Look at us, man. Look at us. Look at us. We are going to move on to our Spencer Rattler draft profile. Uh, this is kind of a tricky one. So Spencer Rattler has been a, a, a very polarizing player since that Netflix documentary dropped. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many years ago it was. Wow. And he was though. a kid. It was a while ago. He was a kid. He was kind of immature. He was, you know, made dumb comments as kids do, especially when you're being told that you're the next, you know, greatest thing. You're going to get an arrogance. So we went into this one with the idea of knowing that there's certain things this dude's good at. There's this baggage history attached to it. We wanted to shut out all that noise and we wanted to just watch the tape and see what does the tape tell us. So the games I watched, I think we both watched these. Uh, we watched his senior bowl performance because that's his latest performance. It got a lot of rave reviews for it. We wanted to see how that translated from what we saw from his end season uh, tape. We watched his Georgia game, his Clemson game, his Florida game, and his North Carolina game. <laughs> we watched a lot of tape on this guy. We wanted a to make sure before we came on here and talk to you guys about what we saw that we actually have watched a decent amount to get a, a great formulated opinion. Here's some of the pros with him. He's a great arm talent. He's that Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers kind of arm talent. It just it looks so nice coming out of his hand. It just seems so easy, effortless. It's great loft. He can put zip on it. Uh, he's a sneaky good runner. I think at one point during the Georgia game, he took off running and actually shook a linebacker in the hole. He's he's if you don't actually bring your bring your uh, you know what does it say bring your hips with it with a tackle, mm-hmm. you're not getting him down. You're not going to arm tackle this guy down. He's a solid runner. Um, he maintains his accuracy while throwing out the run pretty well. So he's really good at being mobile and, and he doesn't lose a whole lot as if he doesn't lose a whole accuracy when he's, he takes off, uh, takes off out of the pocket and throws. Uh, he's got good footwork. The mechanic throwing mechanics are pristine. Fantastic. I kind of noticed he didn't have great accuracy. And, and I know you're kind of, if, if you're a viewer, you're like, dude, what the fuck? You had like a 68 or 69% completion percentage. He kind of got 
mitigated, kind of got cleaned up with a lot of uh, uh, screens. Uh, South Carolina ran a lot of screens, a lot of short, quick game kind of stuff, you know, spot routes, sit routes, slants, whatever it was. They really just want to get the ball out of his hand quick to the playmakers in a short distance. When he kind of took deeper shots, I kind of noticed his accuracy started getting a little more spotty. There was times where it was like the ball was way behind or just way overshot. Uh, but from time to time, he will make an absolutely special throw. Like a throw that you're like, dude, one of one can make this. That's a perfect – no one is getting that but his guy. Just a phenomenal throw. So I don't know what to make of that. It, again, it's something he can do, but he struggles with the layups. He's, he's going to hit a half-court shot every once in a while, but he's going to miss a lot of layups. It's kind of the point I noticed with it. Right. Uh, the cons it kind of had for him, he seems to have a tendency to get locked onto receiver and really struggles coming off it too late. The main culprit seems to be Xavier Leggett. Uh, I, I noticed. I can't tell you how many times I noticed on the tape where you he identified early it was man coverage, single receiver. You know, either the safety wasn't rolling over to provide support, or he just felt I don't know comfortable with the look, and he was looking that way and he was staring it down, even to the point where I was like, dude, he's not open move off. Like I was right. yelling at the screen, like, come on, just let me someone else. Get to your check down. Move on, move on. I know. I was like, fuck, dude. Like, it's like three, Run. four seconds. I was like, something, dude, yeah. just stop staring that way. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, there's, and he, not saying he can't go through progressions. That's not my, my point here, but there are times he does get locked onto receiver. It's like, fuck, man. Uh, there, uh, I already mentioned all, there's a lot of screens that seem to be play a large portion of his high, a large part in his high completion percentage. Um, he, just the absence of this kind of seems concerning to me. I didn't really see a whole lot of layered throws. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of tight window completions or anticipa anticipatory throws. Not that there wasn't an opportunity for them, especially layered throws. I can think of a couple opportunities where they highlighted the linebacker. He just had to put it over the linebacker in front of the safety, and he just seemed to not take it. I don't know if he just doesn't feel comfortable with those kind of throws. Um, and then a couple last little points I did see that really concerned me. Um, twice I saw him do this. He, The O-line was getting pushed back, or he tried running forward, stopped, jumped like it was like the Boise State, you know, Statue of Liberty kind of play, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and tried making a throw. Both times got dropped on his head. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. It wasn't a design trick play. It was just him dropping back, going, fuck it, running, jumping, and throwing it. Uh, I will point out he is 6'1", 217 pounds. I don't know how much that plays a role into it. It didn't seem to bother him too many other times. I didn't see a whole lot of balls batted down at the line. I think it was just a matter of him kind of just – Freaking out back there, yeah. Um, yeah I just want to point out, I really fucking hate that. <laughs> I, I, the comments here says has done this jump throw thing twice now, and I fucking hate it. So Let it down the comments. Me you're you telling me you're not a fan of the jump pass? <laughs> not a fan. No, 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 no. Uh, another thing I just want to point out that I kind of noticed that he did. It seemed that he do it once every game, where he kind of like would drop back would start to like decide to take off, run at his O-line, stop, crouch down, and like spin out to his right, and then you know, <laughs> you know, throw it away while running to his right or try to complete a ball to his right. Every game he did it at least once. It was very weird to see, and I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what they're coaching him there at South Carolina. Uh, but I do want to give this caveat for those that I made through, through this portion of the video. Um, he did not play with a whole lot of supporting cast that will be there on Sundays. 
The O line yeah. was. I want to say atrocious. Just doesn't feel strong enough. I am. I am convinced his entire O line was attempting manslaughter. They were trying to get this <laughs> man killed. The amount of times right. these guys just fell over themselves just it was because not good. seemed criminal. Um, at one point, I noticed. I think. I think it was the Georgia game where the right tackle was, I think, 68, which uh, got awful. I, I I don't know how he made it to D1, to be honest. He does not look athletic at all. <laughs> I know. Who am I to talk? That doesn't change the fact that this guy doesn't look like he belonged there. And I think it was by the Clemson game, I noticed he had been kicked down to right guard. So they were oh. trying to do something to help him and trying to protect him, but it really wasn't working out. Right. So – for style comp, I do have him as a Zach Wilson player. He looks in that same kind of style of play. Big arm, not great at the fundamentals of the position. Sneaky athletic. I see him as a career backup. Um, God help any team that needs to start him. And I I, I slot the fifth round draft grade on him. I know you kind of had your a different perspective, and I'll let you I'll let you get that in now. Yeah, so uh, this is kind of add on to pros and cons. I kind of have everything that, that you have on there. Um, going into his film, I was actually was surprised of how good his arm strength was. Um, he had a play against Florida um, where dropped back. It kind of was a fadeaway shot, and I think it was just one of those. Either um, I can't remember the exact scenario. Either they were bringing six, and like a guy just went through, and he just like fudged up and didn't hit like the, the hot and decided to throw it deep or there's some misassignment somewhere, but he got pressure right in his face is what, what I'm trying to like say. And he just like fade away 50 yards shot down like field. And he threw it like before the receiver really made, made his break because he had this pressure. That's that like, like, like now it was just like on him. Right. Fade, fade mm-hmm. away shot. And I was like, damn, like off this back foot, this 50 yard, like 50 yards downfield. It wasn't like, Again, it wasn't like a, a rope shot. It was one of those, like, moon balls. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had to get, get some air on it because the yeah. receiver was still, like, 20 yards away from it, it felt like. Uh, so I was like, damn, okay. And he, he does can, can, can throw things on, like, a rope and, like, the, the short game. But, yeah, and then to your point about being, like, a sneaky good runner, he's not, like, blazing fast. Like, I would think if when combine time rolls around, he maybe is, like, a 4-7 guy, like a mid 4-7 uh, maybe yeah. like even like a, like a four eight that. maybe you know what I mean. So he's not like blazing fast, but like he can make people miss. Um, and I, I actually like that. And he wasn't he wasn't shy with that too. Like I think in the first first play against Florida, I want to say he ran ran the ball. He kind of kind of like put his shoulder into like the corner. He kind of kind kind of like like jawed him a little bit. And I was like, okay, Spencer, you got some like dog dogging you a little bit. Okay, yeah. okay, which I, I already knew that from like the whole. You know, TV show and whatnot, and he does have like a rep for being like an a hole. So I kind of knew he had that. Like, I hate using the word moxie, but like that kind of like moxie to him a little bit. But I was like, okay, man, okay. Um, and he can play with instructor well. It took a while to see a full field read out of him, and I think it's more of a byproduct of like sometimes like he didn't either have have time or whatnot because. When he when he did it, he looked looked good. Like his drop was 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 good. His footwork was was good. Um, it, it started off as like a left side first. It went one two three. The three was like like a bang eight post. Hit him across across the middle. Nice, right? So I was like, okay, 
if you can do that more, like just do that more, and I will be a lot more of like a fan, right? But again, like to your point, dude, that talent on that roster. I'm, I'm sorry if you are like a like an SC fan out there, but like yeah. you, you probably you probably already know this. It was Slim Pickens, bro. Like, oh, yeah. like no, I think I think it was Clemson where like, his receivers just kept dropping balls. I'm like, I was like, I literally said this. I'm like, can people give him some some damn help? I'm like, what is going on no, here? He's fuck. trying the best he can. He's getting killed by that Clemson D line. I was like, geez, man, get this man yeah, some help, I, please. I, I want to include one part in there. I, I know this wasn't an Xavier Leggett video. We already did that, and we already gave our point on that. But there was two plays back to back. I think it was the first drive that really like were the epitome of like our complaint about Xavier Leggett. They lined him up running back. He ran a swing pass. Spencer, th- uh, yeah, Spencer throws him the ball, bounces off his hands. Just no, it's a swing pass. It's not like it's covered. <laughs> right. It's not like he's, you know, got a guy on his fucking hip. Just bounces off his hand, dumps right into the defender's hand because there's a fumble. It's, you know, it's a backward pass. Yeah, yeah, the dude just yep. picks it up and returns it for a touchdown. Yep. The next yep. play, the, literally the next play, you know, extra point, good kickoff, cool, get the ball, they snap it, and. What happened? Oh, so it was like I think it was a play action. Spencer said, "Fuck it!" Like you know, we're we're, we're gonna take a shot. We're gonna show you this isn't effective. So they take a big ass shot, and I don't know if there was a, a bust in the in the in the route concept because there's two dudes in the same area, both running like post routes, which I know oh, is yeah. a double post, but normally one's like a you know a high post aim for the goal post, and the other one's more like a bang eight. We're trying to like flatten you out more, so it creates like a high low on the safety that you could then you know make the pick or whatever. Um, and Spencer tried getting it to, to Xavier, and it's a little underthrown. But there was plenty of time for Xavier to get to get over to the ball and to either make a play and smack it away or, you know, try to fight for it and come down for it and just didn't do shit. Like, didn't make any attempt to get over to the ball, watched it get He's picked. Like, Look at the do, ball. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. that's short. Oh, Look that's picked. Like, I know. I was like, what the f- I, are we I, doing I, here? I didn't remember that play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both those play. It just it stood out to me so much. I was like, "What the?" Okay, I'll, I'll hop off the box now because I know this is an example no, like that video. We no. already did that, so but we'll get those back on your are, point. Are I'm great. so sorry for interrupting. No, you're good. Those are great points. It kind of paints a picture of like Rattler really wasn't really working with the whole lot, man. And um, they kind of go into my cons here to kind of wrap up this. Uh, at least my uh, breakdown here. He uh, he doesn't really wow me that much like there's not one thing i can point to about his his games yeah he can be a starting quarterback in the league because of this one thing here like you know what i mean like it does something about him it's like it's just, it just doesn't really wow me now i'm not saying he's he's bad he's a very solid quarterback i think like he could make a good backup you know like not like he plays the game poorly but when you watch other quarterbacks in this, in this class, it's kind of hard to explain. But like you can point something like, yeah, that guy, that guy could play like the the league. Whether it's the way oh, yeah. he throws a ball or some like athletic ability or something like that, like yeah, that guy can can start. Yeah. Spencer doesn't really have that. And again, he's no. he's solid. I'm not, I'm not saying he's bad. He's solid, but he doesn't really wow me. But for my draft grade, you know, we're so early in this process, so. I kind of gave him a little bit of the benefit of like the uh, doubt. And I know he's kind of coming off a little bit of a stock rise here after the senior bowl. And maybe he rides this out, you know, with the uh, combine coming up and the pro days. Maybe he can be a late day two guy, so like around three. 
Um, but I think he'd probably fall in, in or let's say day two or day day three. Sorry, he'd be a late day two guy. Maybe like maybe that's like his like ceiling, but I think he'll probably go early day three, so rounds like four or five. Um, yeah. So I'll give him a round a round grade of three, being a ceiling five, four or five, probably where he end, ends up. Um, and, and because of his good arm strength and like the way he can break tackles and break out of sacks, I just got like flashbacks of like Baker when, when he played in uh, college and like. And again, I don't want to be take this the wrong way. But Baker's game is kind of same thing, at least at least for me. Like, it's not one thing that really wows me about it. Like, it's a really solid guy. Um, he can run when he has to. Good, good arm strength. Again, I hate using that that buzzword, but he has a moxie to him. To me, I, I, I kind of see Baker in that. Um, I should know it might be a little bit of a, of a different comp, but that's the first thing that, that kind of popped in my mind when I was watching his, like, film. So, with that, yeah. that's that. I'm done with my uh, breakdown there. Yeah, I, I, again, I can see some of the things you're talking about. But I want you guys to listen. I, I'm curious to see how NFL teams and scouts kind of grade. I'm curious to see where he actually goes in the draft. Because he's one of the guys where I can see what you're saying. If a team really values the way he throws the ball and things, we can train the mental aspect, but you can't teach the way he throws the ball. And they're willing to take a third round. I, I'd be curious to see if that or if it's a matter of like he looks there. I mean, there are some things in his fundamentals when you're watching some of these games where you're like, Dude, like this is like high school shit. So I'm curious to see where he actually ends up falling in the NFL draft, if it is a third-round pick or if it's as low as a fifth or sixth-round pick. But I want you guys in the comment section to let us know what you think. Where do you think Spencer Rattler actually will get drafted in the 2024 NFL draft? With that, I think that ends our episode for this week. Um, until next time, it's been Emmett. It's been B. I'll see you guys. See y'all.